this is Julie, Julie and the Red Jeep Girl. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> this was like driving me nuts since the last episode. And I just want to clarify because I was so embarrassed at myself. <laughs> um, I was talking about the thing under the car that goes front to back. But it spins, and I was like, everything spins on the, there's lots of things that spin on the drivetrain, driveshaft, that thing. That's what I was talking about, and it has been eating at me ever since I did the last episode. So, there you go. Um, on tonight's episode, we're going to talk about how many filters your car has, uh, along with a couple of other things. And I am patting myself on the back for doing another episode so soon. Uh, I'm trying to get more consistent and not just talk about being consistent. I'm getting there. And, um, but a gentle reminder that if all you did today was get through the day by being on autopilot, that is completely okay. I'm proud of you and I'm glad you're still here. So, um, kick depression in the tail every single day. Anyway. Filters. How many are there on your vehicle? There are, or there is, for most vehicles, your air filter, your oil filter, your transmission filter, your fuel filter, and your cabin air filter. Your cabin air filter and your transmission filter should be replaced every 30,000 miles. Your air filter for your cabin is pretty simple. Most of the time it's in your glove box, easy to access, and... Um, quickly replaceable. Your transmission filter, however, is not. You're looking at about $150 to $350 for the cost of labor, not just the part. Um, I always tell you guys, call around to shops, get prices on the parts and everything before you decide to either do it yourself or take it somewhere to have it done for you. I want you guys to get the best quality of product as well as the best and most honest cost of labor that you can out there. Now, um, the thing that, that really caught me uh, with getting an, a plan together to replace my rear main engine seal because when I'm there, I'm also going to be replacing the oxygen sensors on my exhaust and I'm going to be looking at the throwout bearing a couple of other bearings, checking my flywheel, my clutch, um, and everything, because the transmission is going to be off the car. And as you guys know me, whenever I'm working on a certain area of the vehicle, if there's anything else in that area that I need to take care of, I like to do it right then and there and while things are already taken apart, because why not? So when it, like, basically what I'm talking about is pretty much an overhaul on my transmission. Is it needed? I don't know yet. But am I get going to get the parts bit by bit before I tackle the rear main engine seal? Yes, I'm going to do that because I don't want to be blindsided while I'm there. So, yeah, transmission filter was the thing I was completely forgetting about over and over and over when I was going through my list I'm like there's something else there is something it is that it is that because a part of my brain is like that's not a thing it is a thing it is a thing on your car that needs to be checked and replaced 
Oh, man. Now, not all vehicles have cabin air filters. My vehicle doesn't. But I'm actually going to be modifying my car so it includes a cabin air filter. Um, because it helps keep a lot of dust out of your car. Anyway, um, I had talked on this episode about where I wanted to, um, how I wanted to talk about being safe with your vehicle when it comes to vandalism and how to be safe out there on the road and whatnot and being aware of your surroundings. Um, And I had asked my dad for a couple of things and he said one of the things, because there's like if if you suspect that there's something wrong with your car, someone has done something to your car and vandalized it in a way that would compromise your safety, but you don't realize immediately, is he recommends before leaving your place of work or your home is to do a brake check. Um, and that's a pretty, pretty fast one. My cat is going crazy, by the way. What? What? What you got? Oh. My cat just killed a mouse. I'll be back. Okay, where was I? Um, thank you, Cupcake, for that. I just see my cat walking by, and I don't know where she got that from. It was a mouse. Anyway, we live in the country. Big surprise. You're going to have mice out here. Um, <laughs> it's not the scariest thing. I've seen her chasing around here. Spiders. There was one time a scorpion. No, thank you. Anyway, um, it, n- never a dull moment. Um, I think I was talking about my trans. No, I was talking about safety, 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 safety. Okay. Um, the thing my dad emphasized the most is um, if you've made it out to your car and you don't, you're not. You're you're unsuspecting of anything being wrong with your vehicle. Um, they can take a battery cable off of your vehicle. Um, your car wouldn't start. That would, you know, prompt you to get out of your vehicle to check it, and someone could attack you. But that's not the one he put the most emphasis on. The one he put the most emphasis on was doing a brake check in the parking lot or in a well-lit area. Uh is where I'm hoping you park your vehicles. Um, Because if your brake pedal goes to the floor, that is someone has done something seriously terrible and compromised your safety. Now to, not exactly back paddle, but to, for my emphasis is that I want you to be as safe as possible out there. So carry your weapon of choice, be it a taser, a firearm, um, pepper spray. Uh, in college, I carried a wasp killer because it has a long range on it, and that stuff burns your face. So, yeah, I carried a big old bottle of wasp spray in my bag around campus. Now... I want you to be safe before you worry about your car. So your safety is number one. Car out of the way. Your safety is number one. But if you get out to your car and you get in and you find out you have no brakes, what do you do then? First, you call someone to come be with you. Don't get back out of your car. You lock your doors. 
Call someone to come be with you. Call the police. Have them come and take a report and take pictures of your vehicle. Get a hold of a towing service and make sure that they can get your car to a shop that you trust or to your dealership if your car is new enough. Sometimes they do that. Uh, I will find out more on that. But your safety is number one. And it is very easy for us to get lost in the, for some of us, the 84 million tabs we have open in our brains of I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And we're thinking about those things as we're walking to our vehicles or getting ready for work in the morning and and whatever. We're just out with friends. Um, your safety is number one and I want you to be aware of your surroundings. Now, if anyone, anyone ever says anything that tries to blame the victim of saying you could have prevented this you could have done it shut up shut up there are so many people that are absolutely 100 percent prepared in their minds and there was nothing they could have done and luckily gratefully if you're still here i'm glad you're here and for those of us that haven't been through that we are very lucky, and I want you to continue to be lucky and be safe. So, self-defense classes, carry the can of wasp spray, whatever you got to do to see yourself home, happy and healthy and whole, you do what you got to do. Now, if you come up to your vehicle and you notice it's vandalized, say it's been spray painted or it's been keyed or something like that, call the police, make a report. Don't touch your vehicle. Let the police dust for prints. Because there was one time in college I was a direct sales. I did direct sales while I was in college. It was one of a couple of jobs I did. And uh, I parked my car. I locked it. I went into my house, my apartment to check on my son and the babysitter, and I was away from my vehicle for about 30 minutes, and by the time I got back out to my car, it was, the door was open, and my kit that I used for direct sales had been stolen, along with my college notes. Um, basically, my whole life was in that car, and I had locked it, and they still got in and stole so people, if they're determined enough, they're going to try and get away with it. And <laughs> like I still to this day, I beat myself up over it. But there was life was happening as it happened. And I was so frustrated at that point because I was like, I locked my car. I did all the things I was supposed to do. And it still happened. But that I did the best I could do. And it still happened. So... Um, if you're in a scenario where you're living in an apartment or you're on college campus and you have a vehicle, get renter's insurance for the items that you carry around with you. Um, you, you don't have home insurance, obviously, but if you have renter's insurance, you might be able to get some of the things covered that are in your vehicle when they're stolen. Um, I had a friend who had her photography equipment stolen out of her vehicle, and because she didn't have a renter's insurance policy, nothing was covered under her auto insurance. 
So get a renter's insurance policy. And I will look up a couple of other things to see how we can, you know, best buffer ourselves for situations like that because they suck to talk about and it's awful when they happen. But I I like to be prepared as much as possible, even if I have no control over the situation, how I handle it afterwards. I like I like to think I can get prepared somehow. Now, there have been things in my life where I have absolutely no idea. There was no way to prepare. And that is okay. That is okay. And it wasn't even about a, well, I know better for next time. I didn't know how to handle it. I got help to handle, you know, some crummy situations. And um, I just worked on myself to keep going. So anyway, I know that is a little dark <laughs> and unfortunate, but that's that's the reality of things. And, and that's why I'm talking about it is because I want you to be safe. So, aside from the police report and having them dust for fingerprints, get the renter's insurance policy. Make sure you park in a well-lit area. Always let a friend know where you're at. Let someone know where you're at. And... um yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry that is dark, but we're going to move on to some happier things. So I told you guys that when you're getting winter ready and summer ready, either one, you want to have a, a socket set in your vehicle. You want to have a toolkit in your vehicle. Um, and I specified that you want metric over SAE. I'm going to read a little bit from MotorheadTools.com because I liked their explanation the best over explaining the differences. So, um, SAE sockets are sized in inches and fractions of inches. Metric and SAE wrenches have different systems of measurement. Metric sockets and wrenches use the metric measurement system. This is when millimeters are used to describe the size. So you get a 20 millimeter wrench in the metric unit of measurement. SAE wrenches are use the imperial measurement system, mostly used in the United States, where it's described using inches or fractions of an inch. For this, you get a, a third of an inch wrench or socket. Typically, SAE sockets and wrenches are used on American-made cars, as mentioned previously. However, when it comes to working on imported cars, assuming you're in the USA, you'll most likely be looking for metric units of measurement. Keep reading to find out if you can use either or both. Both the SAE and metric fasteners have six-sided heads that are turned using open-ended boxed or socket wrenches. Socket wrenches have the constant contact with all sides of the bolt head and have a ratchet system for easier and faster operation in either direction. Typically, the SAE and metric come in three drive sizes, a quarter, three-eighths, and half. Metric sockets use imperial-sized drivers, and the drive dimensions follow in U.S. sizes such as quarter, three-eighths, half, three-fourths. This means you can use the sockets whether it's metric or SAE. Logically, smaller sockets would use smaller drive sizes, and larger sockets use larger drive sizes. For example, a 6 millimeter socket in metric will most commonly be sold in the one-fourth SAE drive side size. I'm not going to list off all of the most commonly used ones. Um, 
10 millimeter. Anyway, <laughs> some, some SAE and metric socket sizes and wrenches can be interchangeable. Uh, I just recommend buying metric. That's just me. Um, you can get a SAE wrench size bolt comparison to find what would be in the SAE, like a 5 16th or a 1 8th is an 8 millimeter, and so on and so forth. Now, um, on the box end, um, oh no, I'm blanking, help, no, uh, oh, so whether it's box end or socket, Sometimes you can interchange them. Sometimes you absolutely cannot. You will strip a bolt if you don't have the right socket. Um, and the other thing I was going to talk about is that you can order on Amazon for about 9 to 12 bucks, Or for the really big one, $90. There's price ranges. Um, you can get a... Uh, box end, uh, oh, sorry, wrong word, um, you can get a nut and bolt gauge slash thread checker on Amazon. Now, for me, I usually just go over to my dad's tool set, and I just, I just take, take the thing of sockets, and I take it over to the bolt I'm working on, and I stick each one on until I find the right one, but you can actually... <laughs> You can actually get a gauge, and if you have the bolt, you can either take it over to your set of sockets, or you can use your gauge to check the thread widths and the top of the bolt to see what type, what size it is, and the type of threads that it is using, and that will better tell you and determine what tool you're going to need uh, for that particular nut or bolt. Now... I mentioned oxygen sensors. So what are oxygen sensors? The oxygen sensor of your car measures the amount of oxygen in the exhaust gases that exit the engine. It sends real-time data about the amount of unburnt oxygen in the exhaust system to the engine's computer to determine the correct air-to-fuel ratio for the car's engine. And those can be found on your exhaust uh, on the... Uh, on the pipes underneath your vehicle, you'll see these little wires plugged in on either side. And those are your oxygen sensors. And, um, yeah, I got to replace mine. Yay. I'm so excited. It's not the interior of my car. I'm going to be talking about this till I'm blue in the face. It'll get done someday, but not right now. Anyway, so... I'm also still very ashamed of myself about the whole drivetrain driveshaft thing. Um, but I'm going to forgive myself and move on. Um, don't look at me. <laughs> um, okay, what else? Let me check my notes. Oh, yeah. there is. This is another kind reminder to please put, if you're in areas where it's going to start getting, if it's not already... Um, if it's super cold in your area, be sure and get de-icer in your, uh, windshield wiper fluid reservoir and make sure and run it through the lines so your lines don't freeze. And, uh, that way you have de-icer for your windshield. Make sure none of your lines are clogged. Uh, be sure and 
check if you need to change your oil for the winter. You might need a different type for the winter versus the summer. Uh, depending on the type of vehicle you drive, I know with the newer model synthetics, it doesn't really matter as much as the older models that still use carburetors. I hope I'm right on that. I might be wrong. I might be thinking of something else. But if I'm wrong, I'll just be embarrassed and tell you about it on the next episode. It's a surprise. Okay, so just... uh. I think I said this at the beginning, but just for clarification, on your transmission filter, not all vehicles have a transmission filter. Most do, but not all do. You're going to see transmission filters most of the time on automatic uh, transmissions. Um, the on your to touch base a little bit more on your on your filters, your oil is every five to seven thousand miles. I do not recommend hitting the 7,000 mile marker. Please don't do that. Love your car. Um, <laughs> on your fuel filter, you want to replace that about every 24,000 miles or once every two years. But there are some uh, that don't require a fuel filter replacement until about 50,000 miles. Uh so I just replaced my fuel filter in 2019 and I have not, but I have not driven it 24,000 miles yet because she's needed so much work. Yay. <laughs> but yeah, I am so excited to, to start collecting the parts for this next big project and I keep saying the maintenance is almost done. We don't know if it's almost done at this point. I'm going to quit saying that someday. Uh, m m hopefully tonight. I'm just going to keep working on her until her glow up is complete. Uh, maintenance, cosmetics, whatever. I am so excited to be sharing this with you guys. I'm having those moments of frustration because I'm like, Ugh, I thought I'd be done with this part by now. But this is the learning experience. This is the journey and the process of, of doing all of this is that I get to come on here and share it with you and tell you what to do and or not do or absolutely don't ever even think about doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's where I'm at tonight. And I'm usually I go on and on for about an hour. I don't think I'm going to do that tonight. But I did want to get another episode out there for you guys to enjoy. And I don't know if you actually listen to me or not. But if you do, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, a few more things to, to think of uh, while my bird brain allows it is um, don't forget to keep a tire gauge in your vehicle in your glove box along with a headlamp. That was the other word I forgot on the episode the other night. Headlamp. The flashlight that goes on your head with a head headband. Hi. <laughs> oh my lord. I don't know how y'all put up with me, but I love it and I thank you. Oh, the other thing I forgot to say the other day. I said keep a candle in your car. I think it's a given, but don't forget the matches. The matches or a lighter. It's important. Um, a candle 
in your vehicle if you're stuck in a wintry situation. Um, a candle actually can provide a decent amount of warmth in your vehicle. Just make sure you have something to put it on and you don't end up catching your car on fire. Also, this is a disclaimer. Um, I am not liable for anything that you do to your vehicles. Uh, I am just here giving my tertiary advice. But I research it as best as possible. Tonight, not so much. Um, but... Yeah. Enjoy the subpar content as I stumble and fumble my way through things. That's where I'm ending it tonight, guys. This is Julie, Julie in the Red, Jeep Girl. You guys have a great night. Thanks for sticking with me, and I'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>